True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Basketball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. The band is back together? Something like that. When was the last time Adam, Scott, and Chris? Nice. That's your chance, ladies and gentlemen. Encore. When was the last time the three of us did a podcast together? When was the last time you hosted a podcast? Period. Well, you mean football or baseball? (laughs) Football is this morning. I I would guess it's been four months, right? August? Maybe September? Are we forgetting one? I feel like we did one together. We might have. Right at the end of the season? I don't think so. I don't think so, Tim. The listeners would know. What is I don't think so, Tim, from? You ask me that every single time (laughs) I say it. Every single time. So we are right back where we belong. Okay, well, you'll you'll have to remind me some other time. Welcome to the show, everybody. Fantasy Baseball. I have the worst memory. You don't know that about me, but I honestly have the worst. I have such a your, bad memory. Your memory cannot be worse than mine. It is uh, it is worse than yours, Gene. It is I so bad. I promise you it's not. All right, we'll have a, we'll have a memory contest of the things that people forget. <laughs> the what Chris and I forget on this podcast, we'll have to keep track of. So far, I'm winning. Scott, Scott just got like legitimately mad at me for getting <laughs> that reference. It was kind of predictable, actually. I thought you would ask it after I said it, and yeah. you did. Yeah, you know. Uh, all right, so we got some news to get to here. Starting pitchers being signed. By the time we finish this podcast, uh, hey, who knows? Maybe the Yankees will have signed Garrett Cole. That'll be wonderful. Everybody will be happy about that. So I'm Adam Azer. Scott White's been uh, with uh, Chris Welsh and Chris Towers for much of the off season, and Chris Towers is back now. So the three, thank you guys for doing that show last week. Very important and informative stuff. Check out last week's episode. Hey, what was the biggest fantasy item from the last week of uh, signings and stuff, Scott? The biggest fantasy item, so fantasy specific and not real world implications. I actually think was Dylan Bundy. Getting, getting traded from the Orioles, where I had absolutely no interest in him anymore, to the Angels, where I think he kind of deserves to be drafted in all leagues now. If, if this if this had been a video show, I would have spit out my water. I would have been one of those. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, you don't actually believe Dylan Bundy needs to be drafted, right? Mm-hmm. It's more like, well, it's not the Orioles. The the number of pitchers you can bank on 
will run out well before the end of a standard mixed league draft. So you might as well shoot for upside. And yeah, I mean, Dylan Bundy has a lot going for him still. He's one of the few swinging strike leaders who isn't already regarded as an ace. He has uh, clearly an elite breaking ball and that slider cutter hybrid. And he's just gotten pummeled with the Orioles, you know, partly because the park he pitches in the lineups he's facing in the AL East. Um, and the fact that the Orioles have a miserable track record developing pitchers. I mean, Jake Arrieta went from, you know, waiver wire fodder to historic Cy Young season after leaving the Orioles. And uh, I think Bundy has the tools to do something like that. Obviously I'm not going to predict that dramatic of a transformation, but I, I, I think he's. I, I think it's worth a flyer. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, looking at his splits right now, in 2019, I mean, Bundy, yeah, he's a victim of the home run. He gave up more than 40 home runs in 2018. Uh, last year, 29 home runs, but 13 of them, on, 13 of them on the road, and his opponents hit 216 against him on the road. So that's encouraging. Now that you know, it's cherry picking stats, obviously. I just, you know, he doesn't like Jake Arrieta. I'm thinking. Has a lot more velocity than Dylan Bundy. I could well, be Dylan wrong Bundy, about that. Like at this point, you know, he averages like ninety-one and a half miles yeah. per hour with his fastball. He's a soft tosser, right? Uh, relative to the average major league starting pitcher at this point. Yeah, so but hey, it's more his secondary stuff that stands out. If they and change the baseball, I mean, like I said, he's yeah. a swinging strike leader. Uh, and if you look at the leaderboard for swinging strike percentage, is why it's a stat I'm always citing. It's like. As who's who of Cy Young contenders. Right. There may be one or two other names in there where you're like, you know, this name is not like the others, but Bundy has consistently been up there. Okay. I, you know what? It, it, it makes sense. It did make me in my head spit out my water at first, but it, it makes sense. And yeah, I mean, like, what are we going to say about Steven Strasburg? He's back with the Nationals. Zach Wheeler to the Phillies. We'll talk about that. I like Cole Hamels to the Braves. Give you some encouraging stats on Cole Hamels and why he should probably be going earlier than 250th overall. Uh, Michael Pineda, two years, 20 million with the Twins. The Didi Gregoria signing just happened a few hours ago, one year, 14 million with the Phillies. You want Tom, another one Tommy that'll Pham. make you spit out your All right, water? Yeah, what's, what's your biggest fantasy item from last week? Not, a, not the biggest fantasy item, but one that, like Dylan Bundy, I think probably pushes someone into the fantasy-relevant category where they might not have been before that. And that's Kevin Gosman. Signing with the San Francisco Giants <laughs> in a park. That's a great park to pitch in. As we know, it's the best park in baseball for pitchers. We have seen a lot more of a fantasy useful Kevin Gosman than we have of Dylan Bundy over the last couple of years, I will say. He's pitching in a great park. He goes through these stretches where he actually looks useful. I'm not going to say that Kevin Gosman needs to be... Uh, you know, someone that you draft as a starter for your team. But if he goes late enough, Kevin Gosman in San Francisco is really interesting. I thought I saw something, and I don't know. It was something on Twitter. I don't know if it was a from beat writer, if it was anybody in the know even. I'm trying to find it now, but seemed to be suggesting that uh, it, it was – he. The idea was to put him in the bullpen and resuscitate his value, kind of like they did for Drew Pomerantz that way. But I don't know if I don't know if that is the official plan or if that was just somebody speculating. Mm. Elite closer. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a closer. I mean, maybe. Maybe. 
All right, cool. Well, yeah, this was this week was not quite as interesting as last week where, you know, Jonathan VR lost a ton of value, right? I didn't I I apologize. I didn't hear what you guys said on the show yesterday, last week, but Jonathan VR lost a ton of value, right? Uh, wow. I thought we were friends Adam. I <laughs> you listened to the podcast where Scott White said that that was the the most impactful move. Which was VR. VR, yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. It, I mean, it it made there there is a lot of uncertainty and questions surrounding VR, and that that I think helped answer some, frankly, uh, in a, in a positive way. But we talked about that last week. I do want to follow up on Gosman from Henry Schulman, one of the Giants' actual beat writers. He said Gabe Kapler says Gosman was signed as a starter despite his good work as reliever with the Reds last year, and he's got um, a bunch of incentives. Yeah, uh, like game started. I think it's like two hundred fifty thousand for like eighteen, twenty two, twenty four, twenty six, or something like that. Yeah. So. so, so we'll see. He is kind of a two pitch pitcher though, and that hasn't really worked out well for him so far. Okay, so, uh, yes, the Marlins, by the way, are moving in their fences. That's pretty cool, and they're installing artificial turf. Maybe both of those things are going to be good for Jonathan mm-hmm. VR. The walls, yeah. yeah, seven feet yeah, in I mean, center field and uh, twelve feet in right field, and maybe left field as well. I'm not quite sure, but that's nice. Marlins moving in the walls. I thought that was second the time. second most oppressive hitting environment after San Francisco, Marlins Park. So it's it it'll we we'll just have to wait and see how big of an impact it'll have. But it can only help for for the few hitters they have who have value, guys like VR, who uh, was leaving a hitter's park. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about Strasburg. Seven years, $245 million with, to stay with the Nationals. If you look at innings, I mean, it, it's amazing that he actually threw, uh, he threw 215, was it, in the regular season? No, 209. And then he followed that up with 36 and a third in the postseason. So that is 245 and a third innings for Steven Strasburg. Question... Which national starting pitcher do you want at their current NFBC average draft position? Max Scherzer, 16th overall. Steven Strasburg, 26th overall. Or Patrick Corbin, 48th overall. Chris Towers. Uh, I guess Strasburg. Maybe. Uh, it might wrong. be Strasburg is the worst. Right Strasburg is the worst answer of those three. Again, it's Scherzer 16, Strasburg 26, and Corbin 48. Corbin and Strasburg had very similar years. Yeah, Strasburg was better. I think he won four more games. But like Strasburg does not deserve to go 22 picks ahead of well, Patrick Str- Corbin. He had, a, he had a better team around him. <laughs> uh, just a better environment. When Strasburg is so unreliable with innings. Because this is his second 200 inning season, and he had it like five years ago, and didn't even come close for four straight seasons after that. I think it was. So I think that's a preposterous that he would go that much ahead of Corbin. Uh, so he's the he's the right. definitive wrong answer, Chris. Would you like to try again? <laughs> well, so you know my philosophy, and anyone who doesn't know, I'm generally not going to be the person who pays up for starting pitcher. Um, so, yeah, it's probably Corbin who, you know, you look at it, he did have a lower ERA. He did have slightly fewer innings, slightly fewer strikeouts. But other than that, it, it's a, it's very close. I think the whip is probably the biggest yeah. mm-hmm. difference between the two of them because you're not, 
you're not expecting Strasburg to win more games pitching for the same team than Patrick Corbin if their ERAs, you know, Patrick Corbin actually had a slightly lower ERA. So yeah, I'll take the 20 pick discount and go with Patrick Corbin, who I think he has now thrown. Yeah, he has three 200 inning seasons, one with 189 uh, Strasburg by far. Uh, 25 more innings or 26 more innings than he had ever thrown in his career Plus last season. Plus the postseason. Plus the postseason. Never, you're never going to profit picking a guy coming off a, a career here. It's just that's not how this works. Mm, I wouldn't say never, but let me get Scott. Never. Like well, Jacob, depends Jacob DeGrom was pretty long. Well, let's let's have Scott answer. Which national starter do you like at their ADP? Scherzer 16th, Strasburg 26th, Corbin 48th. Uh, the only one I rank higher for Roto, and obviously that's what we're talking about if we're working with NFBC ADP, Roto or 5x5 categories. The only one I rank, I'm sorry, lower than they have them is, is Steven Strasburg. So it wouldn't be him. I have Steven Strasburg 32nd, Corbin 38th, so it's just six spots apart, and Corbin uh, is the biggest dick discount in terms of spots. But I think Max Scherzer at 16th is... Uh, I, I I think my eyes would light up if I saw him still <laughs> yeah. available there. I right. have I have uh, I actually have him 13th, so just outside of my projected first round for a standard 12 team league, but uh, very close to having three starting pitchers in my first round. And I think that trifecta of Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer is, um, I you know Degrom I guess isn't is only a half step behind, but that's there three who can do something that no other pitcher in the player pool can do. Mm -hmm. And Scherzer, you know, he struggled a little bit after he came off the IL, but his first 20 starts before getting injured, 241 ERA was on pace for 322 strikeouts. Uh, so that's, that's pretty good. Uh, Zach Wheeler is to, uh, is on the Phillies five years, $118 million deal. Uh, and if we look at his ADP, it's about 120th overall. And this is a guy, Zach Wheeler, that we basically call the buy low candidate all year long, but he, he just had too many bad starts. He also had 15 starts of seven or more innings. That's tremendous. I know Scott knows that because Scott loves that. Mm -hmm. Zach Wheeler pitches deep into games. By comparison, Steven Strasburg coming off a great year had 13 starts of 15 or more innings and of seven or more innings and, and uh, Wheeler had 15. Very good for both of them, but it's great. Yeah. For so Wheeler. like two thirds of his starts were seven innings plus. That's basically. I mean, that's Verlander-type stuff, right? I mean, that's half. It was half? Okay. Yeah, it was about 15. 23 out of 31 were six innings or more. Okay. Okay, there All you right. go. Um, So, yeah, you know, he's not a big swinging strike guy, so maybe Scott hates him. This actually must be one of the most confusing players for Scott. He pitches deep into games, but doesn't get a lot of swinging strikes. How do he's you above feel about average him? at everything is, is the thing, and that makes him... Because he also pitches deep into games, in this environment, being above average at everything, piling up those innings, that that makes you a standout. Yeah, it's a obviously he's going to a hitter's park now. The Mets play in more of a neutral park. Uh, it used to be more of a pitcher's park, but they moved their fences in a few years ago. It's more neutral now. I'm not sure that is really the biggest takeaway here, though. I, it obviously doesn't help, but Zach Wheeler, he's above average at everything, including inducing ground balls or specifically inducing weak contact he's maintained a low home run rate throughout his career 
and uh, and seven career starts at Philadelphia. It's basically one per nine innings, which is very good rate in this environment. Only seven starts, but still, he has a good track record there. I think value is basically the same. Okay. Last year, he was 26th in points and 35th in Roto. The innings helped, 195 and a third, but also the whip hurt him in Roto. 396 ERA, 126 whip. And maybe it was a Babbitt thing, Chris. Do you think Wheeler was unlucky last year? Because, you know, he really, he was amazing after the All-Star break in 2018. His last 12 starts, 196 ERA, and he didn't quite follow that up. It was a somewhat disappointing year for Wheeler. Was he unlucky, or, or you know, is he a high 3-Z ERA guy in your mind? Well, he was also really, really good after the All-Star break in 2019. I think he had a sub-3 ERA. After the All-Star break, he wasn't quite as good. I think but... that was mostly his last six starts, though. He had a 180 ERA in his last six starts. I can look okay. into it if you'd like. Fine. <laughs> I think he's probably more of a high threes to low four ERA guy. But in this environment, that has a ton of value. That's, you know, when, when you said 120th overall was his ADP, I actually kind of perked up because he's someone that I thought would have been going a lot higher than I would have felt comfortable taking him. But if it's 120th overall, you're talking 10th, 11th round in a 12-team league, maybe 8th round in a 15-team league, if my top-of-the-brain math is correct, that seems perfectly reasonable for your you know, number three starting pitcher in a deeper league or your, your number four or potentially number five in a, mm-hmm. in a 12-team league. That seems like a, a great spot for Zach Wheeler. I actually through the course of this conversation have have come out yeah. feeling a lot better. Yeah. Good. Well, here's the here are the pitchers going around him and yeah, it really was the last six starts that helped that ERA cuz he had a four something ERA in August. Um the ADP range about 120th as we mentioned. Jesus Lazardo, Zach Gallen, Zach Wheeler, different spellings of the word Zach, they are not related. Hyunjin not Ryu and Max Fried. <laughs> That's such a smart aleck response. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was. Jesus Lazardo, <laughs> Zach Gowan, Zach Wheeler, Hyunjin Ryu, and Max Fried. Scott, uh, you want to take a gander at those rankings there? <laughs> I wasn't listening <laughs> at what you actually listed <laughs> up there. Is it in the notes? Yes, it is. Uh, okay. Lazardo, Gowan, Wheeler, Ryu, Freed. Uh well, I'm sure I have them a little different, though probably it doesn't sound wildly different here. Um, let's see. Yeah, okay, so I have Wheeler first of that group at 36th overall. I have... Um, Lazardo, Gallon, Ryu, Reed. Yeah. All right, hang on a second. Backtrack. I actually have Ryu first of that group. He is all the way up at 27th for me. And then get Wheeler second. Uh, Zach Gallen, just a couple spots ahead of Max Freed. I think Luzardo's last for me. He's only RP eligible, so I'd have to check the mixed rankings to find out for sure, but I think I, I rank him last to start out. All righty. So let's uh, get to our next signing here. Cole Hamels, one-year deal. And uh, he said that he got hurt. So so Cole Hamels, you know, he, he got traded to the Cubs in 2018, and after the trade he was gangbusters, 236 ERA strikeout per inning. And then his first 17 starts of the season, he had a 290 ADRA and about a strikeout printing and a 120 whip, and you should probably expect a high whip with Hamels. He goes on the IL, he misses all of July, and Cole Hamels said that when he came back, he was trying to like fix his mechanics while building up arm strength after his oblique injury, and it didn't work. So 
you know, his his end of the year numbers look pretty bad. Now he goes to the Braves, and he's going about 250th overall in between Domingo Armand, White Sox pitcher Michael Kopech, Milwaukee pitcher Adrian Hauser, Marlins pitcher Sandy Alcantara, and Hamels is old, but, you know, he looked pretty good with the Cubs. So, Scott, how do you feel about him on the Braves? Uh, I think he summed it up pretty well. Those 17 starts before the strained oblique, 298 ERA, 120 whip, 8.8 K per nine. And the biggest adjustment he seemed to make was he was a better ground ball pitcher than ever. Uh, and it wasn't, you know, it was kind of a com- completely different category of ground ball pitcher, uh, which is a good way to survive this environment with diminished stuff. And then it was just such a stark contrast between pre injury, post injury. Alex Anthopoulos said something similar after signing him that they feel confident he, he'll get back to being the guy he was before the injury. I don't see think you could really go wrong taking a flyer on him in that spot. Curious. I have him ranked. I have him 190th. So, you know, obviously you're going to see more of a discrepancy in various rankings the deeper you get into the rankings. Because uh, that sounds like a big difference. And I wasn't particularly high on Cole Hamels, I didn't think. But, yeah, I mean, that's... it's. I, I'm probably going to draft so that I don't need to have Cole Hamels, a Cole Hamels in my starting lineup. But if you're forced to, it doesn't seem like a bad gamble. It just seems to me, Chris, you know, without having really looked at it, and, uh, you know, I'm obviously still in football mode, but... 250 overall to be able to get Domingo Ramon or Michael Kopech or Cole Hamill. Those sound better. I agree. Yeah, those sound better. Well, all of them, I think, sound pretty good at 250. Well, Domingo Ramon's not going to go in that range. He's either going to go undrafted or he's going to go a lot higher than that. It's just going to depend on what happens with the, with the looming suspension with him. Um, yeah. Kopech, yeah, I mean, there's more there's more upside with Michael Kopech. If he comes back from Tommy John surgery and, and looks really good, then obviously he's going to sound really good. But, you know, let, let's look at someone like A.J. Puck, who came back from Tommy John surgery and, you know, didn't progress quite as quickly. I think he suffered a setback. You know, we tend to assume that Tommy John surgery guys are just going to come back from. But Michael Kopech, we saw, what, four starts in the majors? Yeah, yeah, but it was really uh, I. He he seemed like he was on a sharp upward trajectory in terms of figuring out his control problems. So I'm pretty bullish on him. Yeah, no, you're right. Like that was his last six starts at AAA. He had good control, but before that, it was really bad for most of his minor league career. It was a couple of starts in the majors where he looked pretty good, but you know, yeah, there's more upside with him. If I'm taking a flyer on someone at 250. I'm more likely to take Michael Kopech than Cole Hamels because there's just more upside, and that's the type of pitchers that I target uh, in that range. But, you know, I, I think that's a perfectly fine range for Cole Hamels. It, it seems like it, it's probably more likely to turn a bit of profit on that cost than Sandy Alcantara is. It's just Sandy Alcantara, if his second half was legitimate, is more likely to turn a lot of profit. All right, let's fire through some more notes here, and we'll read some emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Do you care? Are you drafting? Michael Pineda, two years and $20 million with the Twins. He started uh, using, I think, his secondary pitches a little bit more, right? And he was okay. Well, yeah, specifically the changeup. Change he was up. always lacking that third pitch. Right. And, uh, yeah, his and last his... 11 starts were good, 
Really good. Yeah, final 11 starts, 276 ERA, 109 whip, 10.1K per nine. He's been a guy who's faked us out a lot over the years, but I think this was the strongest commitment he ever made to using that third pitch. Slider's a wipeout pitch. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested. Now, he's not going to be able to pitch until uh, mid-May because right. he's serving a PED suspension, so I don't know if you'll be able to devote a bench spot to him for that long, but in anything deeper than 12 teams, I would think it's worthwhile. Love a guy coming off a PED suspension, too. You don't care. I know you. No, I don't at all. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I don't think that was sarcastic. Yeah. No, I don't. Most guys right. don't lose it after right. their PED suspension. There's There's been a lot of profit to be found over the last like five or six years on guys coming back from performance-enhancing drug suspensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Didi Gregorius, one year to the Phillies. One year's? One year to the Phillies. <laughs> And I call the Eagles the Phillies on the football show today, so I need to go to sleep. Uh, yeah, so here's where Didi Gregorius ranked in points leagues from 2016 to 18. 12th, 9th, and 8th. And in Roto, 13th, 9th, and 7th. He was uh, a really good 270-ish hitter, 25-ish home runs, a lot of runs in RBIs. And the Yankees scored a, a lot more runs than the Phillies last year. I mean, they had scored 169 more runs than the Phillies last year. So the lineup's not going to be as good, but it won't be bad. Uh, but yeah, like, is Didi Gregorius, Scott, is he going to crack your top 20 at shortstop? Yeah, barely. Barely. I, I mean, I have him 18th, and obviously I'm... It's it's encouraging that he wound up in a spot in another good hitter's park. Uh, seems like he'll play every day. But I'm not really inclined to move him up. The two players I have ahead of him are Tim Anderson, who's coming off a phenomenal season. This is points league, by the way. Tim Anderson's probably a little higher in Roto. And Corey Seager at 16th, who's coming off not such a great season, but we know what his upside is. And, you know, for having not such a great season, he was still better than D. Gregorius on a per-game basis. So, yeah, I don't really think I can justify putting Gregorius higher than that, Just which is just a testament to how deep shortstop has become. Uh, I, I think one, maybe the most interesting development with this is what it means for Gene Segura, because if you think Gregorius at 18th is low, Segura's 22nd. I mean, he's just gotten buried at a position uh, where just being you know adequate in a few areas clearly isn't enough anymore. If he picks up second base eligibility to accommodate Gregorius, then, you know, second base is the weakest non-catcher position, and, and he might... He might be able to redeem something for you there still. I guess for the Yankees, probably puts Glaber Torres at second and uh, LeMay, excuse me, Glaber Torres at short, LeMayhew at second, and yeah. probably in Duhar at third base. Oh, no, Urshela oh. at third base. And, uh, right. and Duhar, we'll see. Maybe some first base, maybe bench hitter, maybe traded. I, I'm That's like in terms of sorting out positions, I think Yankees first base slash DH is the most interesting one. Of anywhere to me. I mean, we'll see if they bring back Brett Gardner because that'll force one of the. Uh, well, Hicks is out for the year. I'm not sure how that would, uh, but they want well, uh, yeah, Hicks Talkman, is... right? They want Talkman in their outfield. I don't know. Talkman's there. Miguel Andujar, they got to find at bats for Luke Voigt, presumably, and I think Mike Ford had the most interesting data of any of them, and uh, we'll see how that all shakes out. Fortunately, it sounds like Lemayhew isn't going to be making many starts at first base anymore. Yeah, I don't think Aaron Hicks is out for the year, though. I think he's like an all-star break kind of guy. I think he had his surgeries. He had Tommy John. Eight to ten months. Okay. So 
Yeah, Maybe. yeah, yeah. I mean, Glaber Torres had that when he was in the minors and was ready. Yeah, I think eight to ten months later. Okay, well, he won't be a factor for a while. Uh, let's see, Gosman to the Giants. Chris has said Gosman, uh, top one hundred pick. Tommy Pham, <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Pham, and Jake Cronenworth to the Padres for Hunter Renfro and Xavier Edwards. A slap. I think you call them a slap hitting prospect. Uh, right? Yeah. Something like that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, value up down to the same for Tommy Pham, Chris, who, uh, let me just tell you where he finished last year. Tommy Pham was 22nd in points and 27th in Roto at outfield. I don't think it changes much. Uh, that's probably a, a pretty. Uh, neutral park shift for him. They're both not great places to hit. Um, he's good. You know, I, I don't think it much matters. You know, he's not moving to a hitter's park. He's not moving to a worse uh, pitcher's park. So I think you, you, you keep him right where he was. Can you tell your cat to stop walking around so much? Just tell her to chill out or him to chill out. Uh, she is not a chill cat. If I, if I make any sudden movements, she's going to freak her? out. So I just kind of, it's her just, name is David Bowie. David Bowie. Her. Is she. Name. She. This. This is kind of feeling like a paranoid, like paranormal experience for me, though, because Chris is sitting in a room that's um, uncharacteristically dark. I'm yeah. not sure exactly what's going on. I don't know if he's podcasting by candlelight or what the deal is. And then this cat is just pure white, and you just see this white blur hovering around his shoulders. Actually, guys, I don't have a cat. I don't know what. <laughs> You had a cat. Uh, okay, so Chris's house is haunted in Brooklyn. And what else? What else? Uh, Scott, the prospects exchange and Hunter Renfro exchange in that deal, do they matter? Uh, not not really. I mean, the, the biggest prospect in this deal, um, has it been finalized, by the way? Because there was some discussion that it, they didn't like something about the Padres didn't like oh, something about Pham's elbow, though it sounded like it was still going to go through. But anyway, just bringing that up. Xavier Edwards uh, is the biggest prospect, second base prospect, good contact speed guy and somebody who absolutely needs to be owned to dynasty leagues, but absolutely won't be contributing in 2020. I, uh, I think there's a chance Renfro's value could go down here if the Rays play him even less than the Padres did. The Padres seemed non-committal with his playing time, and the Rays are even more mix and match than them. But I, I don't know. The Rays also have kind of a history of maximizing the impact of prospects gone wrong. And I mean, Renfro has a lot of power, but doesn't really do much else well. So maybe they maybe they know something. They can do to fix him. Yeah, they know Tommy Pham's going to make l more money than Hunter Renfro is what they know. Well, I mean, I'm sure they had a lot of they could have found a lot of takers for Pham, and this is the one. I, I mean, maybe the Edwards return is what put them over the top, but they've done they've done some big things with hitters, making them better, right? I mean, the <laughs> biggest example, of course, would be uh, Yandy Diaz, but I mean, look at what Austin Meadows did mm -hmm. after being. Uh, not, we weren't really certain what he could do power wise, and they're pretty good organization. Yeah, for sure. Fam has had basically the same slash line two straight years: two seventy five, three sixty seven, four sixty four, two seventy three, three sixty nine, four fifty. 
Uh, very, very similar. He did score 25 more runs in 2018, though. And then you just look at 2017, and he was unreal. He had a 931 OPS with 23 homers and 25 steals in 128 games. Don't know if he can recapture that magic. It's been a few years now, but at least he has that in his somewhat recent history. Okay, it's time for a new game called Scott White. Let's fire through some of these notes so we can read some emails and go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> here is a note. Omar Navarez traded to the Brewers. Go. Uh, this is a win-win for the catchers who are now the starters for their respective teams. Narvaez going from Seattle to Brewers. Um, you know, he upgrade. It, it's an upgrade in park, obviously. Um, but even more so, Tom Murphy now becomes a starter and had terrific power production, the kind that was going to probably cost Narvaez playing time if Narvaez was still there. Bad splits against righties, but, you know, 30 homer catch catcher potentially you could you can accept a bad batting average so who do you like better narvaez with the brewers or murphy? narvaez but tom murphy i think they're both in my top 12 now oh interesting uh andrew benintendi added muscle and weight before last season and cora says he's in a better place physically now uh, okay <laughs> like this is why i don't care when we get these re- these muscle watch reports of like i'm in the best shape of my life because like andrew benintendi adds muscle and weight before last season and he has his worst season ever well if you had told us before the season andrew benintendi added some muscle we're like great he's gonna hit for more pop he's finally gonna break out we just don't know yeah. what any of this means everyone's right. different everybody's body is special don't tell me <laughs> it just it well, no i i i guess i just buy the the possibility that this is an excuse because something clearly went very wrong for Andrew Benintendi. I like excuses. I like excuses for situations I don't understand because sometimes they're right. Mm. And maybe, you know, I'm, I still am going to probably be the low guy on Benintendi. I rank him, uh, I think, 30th in the outfield just because he's Andrew Benintendi. And I don't want to feel like a total idiot when he bounces back. This makes me a little more hopeful that he could because right now he looks like Nick Markakis. Did his uh did he add that muscle like halfway through the 2018 season? Yeah, I know that's really when the drop off happened, right? Cuz that's when it happened. I, yeah. I I think the bigger issue is he from what I remember he became a lot more pull ha- happy, but he's not like that's not the kind of hitter he is. It doesn't well, work. For him. If he was bulking up, I mean that that's the same thread of trying to muscle balls out of the park as upping your pull percentages. So, I don't know. Who knows? And, you know, players transform statistically for all the dumbest reasons. And, you know, we know there's potential in Benintendi's bat. We've seen it before in the majors. Clearly did not uh, reveal itself last year, though. Ooh, so many strikeouts. Strikeouts went way up last year for Benintendi, which, uh, you know, you could you could bank on him at least being solid, having a nice floor in points leagues. But the plate discipline was so bad. Yoannis Cespedes has begun running uh, a running program. He's also hitting and throwing, so he's a three-tool rehabber. <laughs> Yoannis Cespedes, and that's it. That's the only. That's the last note I got, Scott. I don't know where to rank Cespedes next year. That's kind of we don't we don't know if he's going to be ready first of all. But this sounds encouraging, and I mean, he was studly when we last saw him. Wrong side at thirty, coming back from a bad injury. Too bad, but, right? Wasn't it both? Yeah. Yeah, there was, uh, I think he had a knee surgery, and then he did some damage to his ankles, uh, stepping in a hole on his farm or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's it was pretty bad what happened to his legs. They got messed up pretty bad, but, you know, 
Last we saw him, he was good. So he's, I he's thirty four now. I have him ranked seventy fourth among outfielders, which sounds very low, but it's one spot ahead of Kyle Lewis and two spots ahead of Joe Adele, who are both likely to get some traction on draft day. So that's that's kind of what I'm thinking for Cespedes is now that risk reward range of outfielders. Okay, cool. Hey, our email address is fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Send in your emails. We are anticipating having a show next week. Right, Scott? We're gonna have yes, we are. Sure. Yeah. And we're going to have a special and, uh, guest. Should I mention what's I, special about that show or no? I don't want to get ahead of ourselves just in case it doesn't happen. <laughs> but we have lined up a special guest. We're looking yeah. forward to it next week. Very I exciting. can't imagine we'll have one the week after that. That'll be Christmas week. But we will have one more at least before the end of the year where we can celebrate Garrett Cole and pinstripes. Emails from Joseph. Head-to-head league, would you keep Cattell Marte in the 14th round or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the 15th round? Oh, no, in the 5th round. So it's uh, Marte, Cattell in the 14th round or Vladdy in well, the 5th. It just so happens I'm working on my top 50 keepers column, which is a column where I account for uh, what you'd be sacrificing based on previous year's ADP. And it's it's similar to this for these two players, Cattell Marte 15, Vladimir Guerrero 5. Uh, I think it's, you know, maybe a couple rounds off, but the the, the difference is about the same. And I have Cattell Marte considerably higher. I, I don't understand why early drafts have Vladimir Guerrero going so high, given how loaded third base is with stud bats. I mean, you can't, there, there comes a point where he can only be so good. And there's already so many options there that why, why are you banking on a better scenario, him delivering a better scenario than, you know, like a Manny Machado or something like that? Um, or I could probably even have better Matt, Matt Chapman. Uh, you know, you'd have to rank him higher than these really good players to justify drafting him that high. And yeah, he, he might, he might be able to do it, but you know, he, he clearly has to make some adjustments to his swing to get there because there was too many ground balls and you know, you're not going to go wrong drafting one of those other guys as you're starting third baseman. All right. So you're taking Marte in the 14th over Vladdy in the fifth. Chris, you agree? I don't think it's even a question. I, I like Cattell Marte should be going ahead of Vladimir Guerrero. Well, he, point. just without without knowing what boy. round you keep. I, I but, agree, but I don't think he does. I don't know if you have the NFBC ADP there. Adam. I do. Do you feel sometimes when you say things on a fantasy podcast, you in your head you go, "Wow!" At the end of the year, that might be the dumbest thing I've ever said. Like, because there's obviously a scenario where Vladimir Guerrero. 100% deserve to go a lot higher than Cattell Marte. Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going 49th and Cattell Marte going 45th. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so think, behind, but not by much. You ask, uh, do I ever worry that something's going to be the dumbest thing I've ever said? That's an incredibly high bar. <laughs> and the chances of any individual thing I say being the single dumbest thing I've ever said are so vanishingly small. Then no, I don't. You can't keep yourself up. At night. I, I only worry about process with those kinds of things because I there was one. It was on uh, Donkey Teeth of Rasball. I was on his podcast, and he's given me so much grief about it since. We had a long conversation about he had I think Ronald Acuna fifth overall, and I had Acuna as like a second. Oh man, the ghost just popped in. That was freaky. It's just a blur. <laughs> um, I had Acuna as a second rounder. 
And uh, so he had Acuna fifth overall ahead of Nolan Arenado, who's, of course, one of the most bankable first rounders you can find. And so we had a long conversation about why it was a bad idea to take Acuna ahead of Arenado. He, of course, disagreed. Acuna obviously had the better season. But, like, if you drafted Arenado instead, that wasn't the reason you lost your league. He had a typical dominant Arenado season. And, like, yeah, maybe it was technically wrong. But, like, the the range of outcomes for Acuna was much wider. And I would make that argument for in a similar situation again. Like, I just don't want to go wrong with that first round pick i'm really surprised that there's not that there aren't more people who are a a little bit snake bitten by vladimir guerrero because yeah he was going so high last season and usually that's what happens when we have these young guys usually if they disappoint you we back off of them right he's going even higher it's it's not even like uh eloy jimenez who is you know at least bounced back in the second half and showed you what he could be now Vladimir Guerrero had a very good August, I think a 970-something OPS. But then in, in September, he wasn't very good at all. And so it just – I'm surprised that this is one of those things where last year people were talking about Vladimir Guerrero versus Juan Soto. And you know, Juan Soto then went out and had a great year, backed it up. But even before that, like we had – we have evidence that, that last year Juan Soto could hit the major league level. We have evidence that Catal Marte can hit at a very high level. I don't think he's going to back up what he did last season, but I think he, you know, 32 homers, 10 steals, 330 batting average. He was amazing last year. The fact that we're talking about him and and Vladimir Guerrero as like a toss-up, I don't know. Maybe it'll make me look really stupid, but if I'm going to look stupid, it's going to be with the guy coming off the 981 OPS. That's a good point. Okay, let's go to our next question. It's Nolan. He needs keeper help. He's keeping Acuna, Bellinger, Snell, and Verlander. He needs one more. Rendon in the third, Jorge Soler in the 15th, or Tyler Glass now in the 18th. Rendon in the third, Soler in the 15th, Glass now in the 18th. I think it's Rendon. Take the better player. I I really like Glass now. I don't like Jorge Soler so much. He's coming off one decent, pretty good, very good season as a power hitter, but it came in you know, basically 1998 course field. And the, you just don't know if that offensive environment is going to sustain itself. Like, we don't know if they're going to change the ball back. And if they change the ball back, he's yeah, but ball he impacts power, the though. ball so well is the right, thing like, hit the ball forever. And this is the well, but he made, he made, he, he cut down on his strikeouts. He, he improved his batted ball profile most drastically in the second half, even more so than the year long numbers. And I know what you're going to say in response to that. And we say it all the time, but, it just I think, Anthony Rendon is so bankable. No, I agree. Rendon in and about the same uh, keeper round is is top of my top fifty list. So I agree. I would keep Glass now. I think, but it also comes down to uh, you're keeping five players. Who's available to you in the third round? Because if if there's really not a good player like a, or a great player available in the third round, then yeah, keep Rendon. If you think you can get a great player in the third round, that's where you have to keep Rendon. And then well, that, I would, I would that's take part of my thing. Glass now is, in the 18th. Is, yeah, I mean, when you remove the keepers everybody else is taking, um, There's no you're, way. Go- you're going to end up having to overpay for the top players that are left while obviously you're getting a little bit of a discount. So to get any kind of discount for a first-round caliber bat, that's I true. think that's usually the way to go. All righty. So Michael Minster has a keeper decision in an eight-team categories league. He has to keep eight of these guys. All right, here we go. 
Well, Acuna's a must. Let's say Bellinger, Betts, Lindor, right? Bueller. Those are easy. Okay. Acuna, Arenado, Bellinger, Betts, Lindor, Bueller. Okay, that's six. Scherzer. That's seven. Bigger easy. Okay, then last one. Josh Bell. No. Martinez. JD. Okay. <laughs> JD Martinez, Clevenger, and Darvish. I think it's Clevenger. Agreed. I think I have JD Martinez ranked higher, but given the premium on high end pitching, I, I I don't know. I, I think I'd kind of opt for Clevenger and because I don't know who what everybody else is keeping. Already, I'd, I'd like he's to have already, that third elite arm. He's already keeping Acuna, Arenado, Bellinger, Betts, and Lindor. So yeah. that's why I went with Clevenger. Yeah. John from Long Island, pronounced L-A-W-N-G-U-Y-L-A-N. Long Island. Okay. John from mm-hmm. Long Island, as he says. Works. Two head-to-head, uh, I'm in two head-to-head points leagues where you can keep players for two years and you lose the round in which they were drafted. In one league, I'm keeping bets in the first and Acuna in the 12th. Who should be my third keeper? Charlie Morton in the ninth round, Miguel Sano in the 23rd round, or Bo Bichette in the 23rd round? I think it's Bichette. I'm more inclined to go with Morton. Yeah, that's really a tough call. All right, I, I'd be curious them. to know if you keep es- if this is the starting point that you keep escalating from for years you, to come. Yeah, uh, you only keep them for two years. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, that makes it easier to go Morton. It's a toss up. Okay, uh, in the other league, I have Verlander in the second. Now I need to keep two others: Lindor in the third, Rendon in the fifth. Remember, this is a points league. Lindor in the third, Rendon in the fifth, ding, ding, ding. Clevenger in the seventh, Bichette in the last round, or Giolito in the last round? Rendon and Giolito. That's fine. That's how I felt about this podcast. What? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I thought this was wonderful. I had a great time. It was great. It, it, it yeah. was good to get us back together again. Good job, guys. I liked it. I it was more than fine. You were fine, Adam. <laughs> Question for you, Scott. Yeah, uh, you gave such good parenting advice earlier, and that was oh, I love excuses. So you know, I hope you're teaching that to your kids. That was great. <laughs> we have a, a tough parenting decision to make, and you've gone through this. So, sixteen months old, I think. Don't add, okay. fifteen to sixteen, something like that. Don't tell my wife. I don't know. <laughs> um, should we get a real Christmas tree or a fake Christmas tree? Because we are concerned that he is going to be, you know, pulling the the little thing, you know, you know, the blades out or whatever. Oh, he's going to be pulling things off the Christmas tree, whether it's uh, needles or yeah, ornaments. Yeah, we're specifically or... concerned about the needles. Sorry, you can tell I haven't had a lot of Christmas trees. Uh, yeah. They're going to be all <laughs> over the place. So real or fake, what do yeah. you think? Um, well, the real versus artificial argument, the effect it would have on the kid never came up for us. I am pro artificial by a long shot. I don't think any kind of faint smell is worth the hassle of cleaning up after it shedding all the time or the stickiness you feel if you happen to touch the wrong part and you try to wash it off but it doesn't wash off very easily it leaves this like black residue 
Um, you know, you have to you have to make sure it fits the space and you have to estimate every year. You don't have this tree already perfectly tailored for your living space and like artificial all the way. Okay. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell her you said that. Thank you, Scott. Very Grinch. No, he's not a Grinch. You don't know. You don't Look know. At this tree. You see this tree behind me. It's beautiful. It is. It's, it's beautiful. Not. It's fake. <laughs> you didn't know that until just now. I did. I could tell. It's too sym- symmetrical. <laughs> the, yeah, right, the, I went down to, that's a good quality to, in a tree. I went down to Rockefeller Center and I saw the tree. I saw that big, ugly, lopsided tree and it was beautiful. Yeah, you're such a tourist. Okay, that's Chris Towers and Scott White. I'm Adam Azer and we'll talk to you probably next week. Stay tuned, everybody. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.